Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Ten years ago, Michigan and Ohio State met in Columbus with everything on the line. Ranked number one and number two for the Big Ten Championship and a place in the BCS Championship game. Bo Schembechler passed away the day before the game. He had addressed the team just a few days before that game and told them what it meant to play in the greatest rivalry anywhere in sports. He was gone just a day later. The game was one for the ages, and Ohio State prevailed 42-39. Fast forward 10 years. It's number two against number three. Big Ten East Championship on the line. A trip to Indy for the Big Ten title game also, and then a place in this year's playoffs. It doesn't get any better or nerve-wracking than this. On today's game day show, my guest is once again for the seventh year in a row, the angel of the big house, Michigan beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll hear from senior Ohio State beat writer Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. So let's get it rolling with my view from Section 17. On Saturday, we sat through snow, bone-numbing cold, gusty winds, and watched Michigan do what it needed to do to set the stage for this Saturday. It was not pretty, but we found a way. Now everything Michigan wants is waiting on the table in Columbus. At his Monday presser, Jim Harbaugh said Wilton is making progress, but he's still day-to-day. So John O'Corn will have to be ready and step up to the moment. Jim said his team is ready for battle and looks forward to the challenge. There were no bold predictions, just a pledge that his team would give it their all on Saturday. In just two years, Jim Harbaugh has restored Michigan football to national prominence. We all know this, though. We are not back until we beat our rival in their house. It should be an epic day. Michigan beat writer Angelique Shengelos thinks Michigan's chances of winning on Saturday are very good. We taped on Sunday, and we were having some issues with the phone line, so I apologize in advance for the quality not being what we expect. But like our team, we forged ahead with the interview anyway. Hopefully it's not too hard to listen to. Angelique is up next on our Ohio State Game Day show 
here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. this on our game day segment this week as we get ready for the game and for the seventh year in a row is michigan beat writer angelique shengelis from the detroit news as always angelique great to have you back for this week it's really seven years in a row mike really it really wow. is it really is yes <laughs> uh, seven years of uh, some very interesting michigan ohio state games but here yeah. we are uh when you look back 10 years ago last week you had written such a, a nice piece about uh, Bo Shem Beckler, and we saw a lot of that on the anniversary of uh, his 10th year anniversary of his passing. And 10 years ago, that was a number one, number two game. It's taken that long to get back to that stage, hasn't it, Angelique? It really has. And, and you're right, Mike. I mean, 10 years, and, you know, phenomenal to think that Bo passed 10 years ago, phenomenal to think 10 years have passed before this game is I mean, it's always relevant for Michigan and Ohio State fans, but relevant nationally. It's, it's really going to impact the Big Ten race and the, the uh, college football playoff race. And it's going to, it does feel a lot like that. I mean, that was special 10 years ago. That really was unbelievable. But this is starting to feel that way to me, that this is – everybody knows what this one means and, and what it means for Michigan to win and what it means for Ohio State to win. And, and certainly uh, the Buckeyes need, need Penn State to lose to Michigan State next week to go to the Big Ten championship game. But I, I think a lot of observers say that uh, with a win, Ohio State's probably in that playoff. So there are a lot of national implications with this one and, and very much looking forward to it. And obviously game day thinks it's big. It's just expanded its, its uh, game day broadcast that day from Columbus to five hours. It's a lot. It's a lot of uh, pregame hype. Well, the hype will uh, take care of itself as we uh, move through the week. Before we talk about the game, though, Angelique, let's, if we could, just uh, back up a few observations uh, on the 20 to 10 win over Indiana on Saturday. We all know John O'Corn uh, got the start as we expected. And Jim said after the game he did what he needed to do, but he did not look comfortable in the pocket uh, at any time during the game, did he, Angelique? He really didn't, Mike. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned to you off air that I'm sitting next to Bob Wanowski, our columnist, and I just said, I have never seen a quarterback whose feet are moving that much and, and dropping in the pocket. I mean, it was like a 15, 20-step drop, and, and I'm like, wait a minute, you got to go this way. I mean, he made that one the play I'm thinking of. He, he did uh, complete the pass to Darbo, but I'm just like, where are you going, guy? And, and he, uh, I really thought he would settle down. And he just never looked like he did until he got that 30-yard run that sparked the offense. And, you know, I, I'm sure you saw it. Everybody saw it. He gets up and he's fist pumping and he's fired up at that point. And then Devion scores and, and then scores again. So, you know, things started progressing well. But I, I just never got the sense that he was completely comfortable running that offense. No, and as you and I discussed before we started taping, too, the game plan, I thought, play calling was pretty darn good early in the mm -hmm. game because you expect 
the Jetfish and Dravno and Jim are going to try to get uh, John some nice, easy throws to sort of uh, get his feet under him, get his confidence up. And they did. That, there, there were some very nice play calls there, but uh, it just seemed like it for him at any rate, it didn't slow the game down at all. Oh, no, it didn't. And I, I'm surprised. And I think you're surprised, too, because you know that this is a guy who apparently was in a heated race for the starting job with Wilton, was a backup, got into some games this year. I mean, he played pretty much the second half at Rutgers. And I know it was Rutgers, but he still got that game feel and experience. And he was a guy who started as a freshman at Houston in, in 2013 and then, uh, what, four or five games in, in 14. So this is not a foreign thing to him. He knows what it takes to be a starter. He certainly knows how to prepare. Everybody talked about that last week, about his work ethic and his study habits and, and watching film and taking notes. So uh, no one's diminishing that part of his preparation, but boy, it just didn't seem to translate on the field. And, and I know Harbaugh mentioned the, the weather conditions, but you and I both know that the Indiana quarterback looked like the, the weather wasn't really affecting him that much. So I'm not, I'm not prepared to say that weather was an issue with O'Horn. I think it was just nerves and, and uh, trying to get used to it. Cause I, I thought eventually the offensive line looked like they were protecting better. And it looked like his, his kid was open receivers. He just, he just never looked settled. As he said after the game, he's a very calm, cool, and collected guy. So hopefully he's of that mentality that he can mm-hmm, just say, you know, mm-hmm. that that one's over with. Now let's move on to, to Ohio State. But we're going to find out, maybe find out pretty darn soon. In the warm-ups, we saw Wilton come out <laughs> and take some throws. I think all of us were just amazed uh, because after last week's reports, you had, oh, it's a broken collarbone. Oh, it's, uh, it's day-to-day. Oh, it's week-to-week. He could be out for the season. The reports were all over the map. So obviously, he doesn't have a broken collarbone. It's something else. But still, it is awfully hard to imagine him being ready to go and at uh, anything near 100% by this Saturday, Angelique. Yeah, near 100%, I'd say I'd say probably not. But then every player would tell you, Mike, at this stage, no one's 100%. That's what they always say. So, um, you know, if he gets to 90%, I mean, I guess that's reasonable. That's, that's late November um, percentage. But... Uh, top level, I think. But yeah, you know, I never, I never got anyone to confirm the broken collarbone. So I didn't write it last week. And, and then Harbaugh came out Monday night at his radio show saying any reports that he's done for the season are incorrect. And, you know, maybe that semantics is the end of the season out for the season. You know, does that include the bowl game? Did it, was it just a regular season? So, you know, he's leaving the door open. I thought with that and, and certainly giving urban Meyer something else to think about that, you know, maybe they've got to prepare for a couple quarterbacks, which I think he probably will do, but um, yeah, Wilton did throw a couple passes and in, in the pregame warmup and, and he walked in carrying his bag with his left hand which, you know, some people on Twitter were like, well, of course he's not going to carry it with his throwing <laughs> arm. But the point was he had injured his left side. So, you know, he's showing – I think he wants to play. I mean, I, I think he wants to try to play against Ohio State. Who doesn't want to do that? So I think they'll give it a week and, and see. I mean, you know, we we saw Chad Henney years ago at Illinois with that horrible injury, that separation to his throwing shoulder and came back and played in that game. And, and continue to play that season after taking a, a game off. So time will tell, but I, I'm certainly not ruling Wilton Spade out for Saturday. No, and I think what Jim said is is spot on. He said it's mm-hmm. it's going to be a medical decision. The docs will uh, will have the final word on it. And you would think if, it, if it's something that he can't hurt any further or do serious right. damage, he he's going to play. 
Yeah, it's about pain tolerance. And that's what all these former players I've talked to in the last week said. It, it, it's as long as you're not going to hurt yourself any further, it is about how much pain you can tolerate. And, you know, Wilton came in after the Iowa game and spoke to us. And you know, he didn't, I mean, he said he had felt better, but he didn't look like he was in, in horrible pain. And, I mean, I was impressed. I'm impressed with the guy that he came in and talked to us after a loss like that. But even more so knowing that he was hurt to some extent, and um, that makes me think he's a pretty tough guy. And, and that also makes me think that, you know, he potentially could play on Saturday. Getting back to what happened on Saturday in the IU game, uh, offense, uh, as we have already talked about, struggled. But uh, Davion Smith, he stepped up big time in the second half, didn't he? He really did. And, you know, he wanted to make a, a point and an impact in his final game at Michigan Stadium. And, you know, watching him make those long touchdown runs, Mike, and then it was more fun to watch him walking down the sideline, strutting, getting high fives, and you know, it's just it was it was really kind of neat to see him get that that kind of attention from his teammates, and they he fired them up, and uh, it was a record it was a record day for for Davion Smith, and some people you know he's taken his share of knocks through the through this season, and people saying ah oh, he's just not good enough, he doesn't doesn't do enough, he you know he got caught on a safety at Iowa. So people are down on Davion, and then he comes back and has a big game. I mean, the guy runs hard. He always has. And his vision has been criticized over the last couple of years, but he's tough in pass protection. He's so valuable to this offense and does so many other little things without the ball that, that he has been, he's a very vital part of this offense. And you know, it was good to see him have that kind of game on, on his uh, farewell to, to Michigan Stadium tour. <laughs> we don't have a home run hitter, uh, a, a guy mm-hmm. coming out of that. Uh, that very fine stable of backs that we have, just not a guy that can take the game over. If you want to hand off to a guy that does the little things well and just, as you said, just runs over people, runs hard all the time, when it comes to crunch time and it comes to big games, he's the guy that Michigan has right now. You want to have the ball. For sure. I mean, he he can wear down defenses. I mean, he is, he's got that kind of ability. And you know, just haven't seen it from the other guys yet. I, I mean, certainly they all they all do something they're special. I mean, Chris Evans, we've seen what he can do. At times, we can see what Higdon can do, and certainly at times he would tie tie Isaac can do. But but um, I think Chris Evans has been very consistent, and and Davion too. And I do think that's a missing part, though. I, I really do. I mean, I, I I totally understand the theory that that Tyrone Wheatley and then Jim Harbaugh have pushed this season that it's great to have a rotation. You're saving their bodies. You're you're looking out for their potential pro careers. And, um, and you know, you look back at last year, Davion was pretty beaten up late in the season. So he, it would have been nice for him to have a little bit more of a, of a relief and, and get spelled more, more often. But I still think you need that. You need that Tyrone Wheatley type of back, that a train or, you know, Mike Hart kind of guy. And, and they really don't have that back, but they have capable guys. So they're they're using what they have and making it work with that rotation. We've seen that through 11 games and agree with that. The defensive line played, I thought, just big on Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought coverage was uh, pretty good in the secondary, as we talked about, mm-hmm. Angelique. I- I'm going to give the Indiana receivers their due. Th- those guys made some nice catches in coverage with Michigan corners and uh, safeties draped on them. Other than getting beat on the edge just a, a couple of times uh, on Saturday, I thought the defense, again, did more than their fair share. I agree with you. And, and you know, I think we can all nitpick and go back the last couple of weeks in particular and say, okay, big chunk play here, big chunk play here. But for the most part, the defense has really come through when it matters. I mean, the, the goal line defense uh, on Saturday, the Indiana game, I mean, Indiana was at the Michigan 5, I believe. 
and got pushed back a couple yards, and they had to settle for a field goal there. I thought that was a really important sequence. They get the field goal, and then the next series, O'Corn gets his 30-yard run, sparks the the series, the the possession, and and Davion the next play gets his big his first big touchdown run. And you know it, that's that to me was a pretty big defensive stop because you know, if you give up four more points there, that's a that makes it a little a little closer, a little you know a little bit more of an edge I think for the the Michigan offense at that point. So. Yeah, the defense has been really good. Glasgow's been really good. I mean, it's it's you can't single them out, but um, but as far as Indiana, you're right. There, that team is so close to being good. I mean, like consistently good and winning some of these games. So they've played the ranked opponents really well this year and and uh, and last year. So I think I think Indiana's close to being that breakthrough team. Certainly not Rutgers, but I think Indiana is is going to be there soon. No, I agree with you on that. Well, just a, a couple of closing thoughts on the IU game before we look ahead to this Saturday, uh, Angelique. Uh, what did you think of our little snowstorm in the fourth quarter? <laughs> I was very happy to be in a press box watching <laughs> it from above, but it was it was fun. I mean, Wojo said to me at one point, he goes, it looks like a snow globe, and like we're just shaking it, and it, and it really <laughs> did look like that. And um, the players looked like they had a ball. I mean, and certainly afterwards, everybody saw the, the snow angel pictures and the guys sliding and they had that kind of uh, Bull Durham feel, that, that scene where, where they wet down the field and they all go start sliding in the mud. It, it looked a lot like that yesterday. And um, it was cold, though. Gosh, I mean, mm-hmm. what, a, what a change from, from Friday. Significant temperature drop. And, and I know the winds were swirling. And I know it was tough conditions. But, boy, it was so much more fun to watch from inside the press box, which was not warm, by the way. I have to say that. In our section, section 17, watching fans come uh, into the game, everyone was bundled up. I saw the forecast, so they were ready to rock. And they stayed, too, Mike. I was surprised. I thought there would be this mass exodus, and I thought it was a pretty good crowd for the end of the game. I did, and, too. And very loud as they exited and, and chanting, Beat Ohio. So it was a very uh, very upbeat, cold, but uh, but a, a group that was willing to stick it out. And uh Good for them because it was uh, it was a you know eight no to go at home eight no at home is is a is a pretty nice accomplishment. Despite the weather, it was a lot of fun. People uh, were uh, singing "Let It Snow, Let It Snow," and everyone had a good time. <laughs> of course, that was after we got up twenty to ten, so uh, <laughs> it was a nice way to close out. Which which what's been a, an outstanding season at home? Eight games at home, eight wins at home. So uh, our guest here on our uh, game day segment is we get ready and now turn our attention. Towards uh, this Saturday in the game is Michigan beat writer Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News. This, as we have talked about for so many years, Angelique, is our favorite week of the year. And <laughs> as I told you before we start taping, I'm a little bit nervous. But yeah. And it, it's been the, the 10 years that we talked about between uh, big, big Michigan-Ohio State games, at least one of this magnitude. Mm-hmm. That atmosphere is just going to be electric by kickoff on Saturday, isn't it? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, and, and not just the buildup from game day being there, which everyone expected them to be in Columbus, but just the buildup of, of knowing what's at stake. And, you know, the, the college football playoff rankings will come out Tuesday night, and I don't think there's going to be any change. I mean, so I think it'll be two versus three. And with all of that on the line, it's going to be, I've been looking at StubHub prices now the last couple of weeks, and they've been even those upper deck seats at uh, at Ohio Stadium have been listed. At, I don't want to say they're going for it because I don't know if people are paying it yet, but they're going <laughs> for about four hundred bucks uh, a ticket for the the um, you know the seat deck seats. So 
This is going to be an in-demand ticket. It's going to be in-demand viewing. And, um, I mean, it's, hey, it's the best week of the year. I still wish that it wasn't after Ohio, I mean, after Thanksgiving, but that, no, that doesn't diminish anything. It's, it's the game and it's just the best. Well, you know what surprises me? I, I know you and I both like the, uh, the noon kickoffs as opposed to 3.30. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. remember 10 years ago, that game got rolled back to a right. 3.30 kickoff. And I was right. a little bit surprised uh, that, that it is a noon kickoff, to be honest with you. Don't be surprised. Don't question, Mike. Just be happy. <laughs> Let's not bring it up again. Let's not give anybody any ideas. But, yeah, I know somebody uh, messaged me on Twitter the other day saying, you know, could they flex it and make it a night game? <laughs> like, no, they're not going to make it a night game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that Gene Smith and Ward Manuel have made it pretty clear, at least, you know, as far as I know, the Big Ten that they want to keep this as a traditional noon start. So um, I'm grateful for that because I do hate 3:30 games. And um, I mean, it's just I, I think it's to me it should be played at noon. So I mean, that's uh, I think we just need to stop talking about it, Mike, because I don't want anyone <laughs> at ABC to hear us and think, oh yeah, 3:30 that would be a much better idea. Yeah, let's not give anyone uh, any ideas. This is perfect. 12 noon. And when we look at this Ohio State team, uh, Angelique, the way they started the season, they certainly looked like a playoff team. And then they lost to Penn State. And then they struggled with Northwestern. And then, of course, Saturday, Michigan State. And I don't know if that was a struggle or if Michigan State is finally starting to put it together with the talent that they have. But what is your overall take on this Buckeye team? I think it's a very good team. And, And I remember in July at the Big Ten kickoff, Mike, I mean, Urban Meyer was saying that this was one of the most talented teams he has, he's had at Ohio State, and that was with 44 players who had not yet taken a, a college snap. I mean, that's, it's a young team, but it's, it's got a veteran quarterback. I think everybody knows who that is, JT Barrett. And, um, you know, I, I do think Michigan State is playing a little better, and, and look how hard they played against Michigan. I fully expected them to play hard against Ohio State, and I think D'Antonio knows how to defend the Buckeyes. He certainly has shown that over the last couple of years, but um, this is not, I mean, it, Ohio State's vulnerable. I mean, it's not a perfect team. It's, it's not, it's, it's got some hole. I don't even know if it's holes. It's got cracks. And, and I think that, um, I think that Jim Harbaugh and his staff are aware of that and, and can game plan for that. But, you know, we, we have to wait and see who's going to start a quarterback for Michigan to, to examine how Michigan's offense is going to flow going into that stadium it's a tough place to play for a first-year quarterback. I mean, so if it's Wilton or O'Corn, it's 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 hostile, it's it's crazy, it's intimidating. So you know, there's a lot of advantages having that game in Columbus. And if Wilton cannot play on Saturday, and uh, you know, day by day, we'll see what happens with that. We know that Ohio State is going to load it up in the box if uh, John O'Corn starts, and they're going to make him throw. And I guess when I think about it. That's what everyone's done, even with uh, Wilton uh, starting this year, is to right. load it up and uh, make Michigan throw the ball. But I think this week, with John having just the one start at Michigan under his belt, that is exactly what the Buckeyes are going to do: come out and say, "Okay, John, hit some passes. Let's see you. Uh, let's see you beat us." Absolutely. I mean, that has to be the game plan. And you know, I I don't I think John O'Corn has an arm. I mean, everybody's talked about it, how, how athletic he is and what a good arm he has and. He didn't forget how to throw. I, I, I do chalk up a lot of, of the Indiana game to nerves, but I mean, I, and I'm not saying, oh yeah, John O'Corn's going to go into Columbus and start hitting these, these uh, deep balls and, the, and make these deep throws, but you know, I, I've got to believe that he's capable of it. 
So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit there and write it off and say, oh, you know, no chance Michigan has if, if John O'Corn plays. I, I do think it's more difficult. I mean, I think that they you get used to your starting quarterback. You understand his nuances and you understand what, what Wilton Spate might do in a certain situation if you're on the offensive line or his receivers. They've got timing worked out and, and it's still a little bit new with O'Corn, even though he's been preparing as a starter all year and taking snaps with the one, it's ones, it's different in a game setting and certainly different in that game setting. So, you know, I, I, I would imagine that, that John O'Corn, that they will go after John O'Corn in that way. And, and I would imagine he has some struggles, but I'm not going to completely write him off going into that one though. Mike, I know we're going to have a, a special game plan for this week, of course. And, you know, it might include the X factor, uh, Jabril Peppers. Uh, <laughs> he only saw, I think, two carries on Saturday against Indiana. And for the most part, we've seen him line up in that Wildcat this year and run the football. And we've talked every so often saying, when are we going to see him pitch it or throw it? And that hasn't happened yet. I've got to think if, if it's going to happen, it's going to be this week, Angelique. Me too. I mean, I've, I've been saying that for weeks, at least, you know, around my house saying, I really think Jabril Peppers, <laughs> they've got something planned for Ohio State. And and he was looking to throw uh, Saturday against Indiana that one play and, and, you know, very wisely saw no, he had no one open and, and, and didn't chuck it and get into trouble. So uh, I got to give Jabril Peppers credit for that, but yeah, I mean, he's absolutely the X factor and, and Urban Meyer is fully aware of Jabril Peppers and, and what he can do. But I, I do think that they've got something special for the, uh, for as you call him, the X factor. And I think they have to, especially if O'Korn's playing. They have, to get, mm-hmm. they have to get something going, and they have to get it going early. They can't wait until the second half against Ohio State. It has to happen early. And they, I mean, I really think trying to get it in front, getting a lead, Early is going to be absolutely key for this uh, for this game for Michigan. Absolutely, I agree with that one hundred percent. And over on the the defensive side of the ball, Angelique, the D is going to have to be more than stout this week. They're, they're you know quite simply going to have to play the best game they played this year. And to me, that means that if I'm Don Brown, I know a lot of people will say you can't do this, but I think you've got to say stop J T Barrett. Whatever we do, let's not let this guy beat us. That's easier said than done. But that's got to be the focus. It has to be. I mean, he's absolutely. I mean, you're, you talk about the X factor, Jabril. I mean, he is. I'm not. I'm not sure. If maybe he isn't the X factor because people know what JT Barrett can do. But he is the X factor in my mind. I mean, he can do so many things, and people criticize his arm. But I remember seeing his arm at uh, Michigan State in 2014. It looked pretty good. And a couple weeks ago, um, I forget which game it was. I, I thought his arm looked really good. And you know, I, I, I would I would think that Don Brown's not going to write that off. I mean, I think that they know he's capable and he's extremely versatile. And I've got to believe that Javril Peppers plays a big role in, on defense in that sense, too. And, and you know, I, I think he's going to be relied on. I think we've all seen Javril Peppers and his closing speed. And, I mean, that's been, I think, very impressive. Sometimes I think that's more impressive than anything I've seen him do this year. And I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be very responsible for the whereabouts of J.T. Barrett. And uh, I think you got to pull a lot of that on, on your best players, your best defensive players' shoulders. And, and certainly Jordan, Jordan Lewis is going to be a guy they're going to count on. But, I mean, those linebackers have to be ready. It's, it's obviously, you know, it's hard to single out one guy on defense. And they all talk about it, it you know, being 11 hats on the ball. And that's what, that's what they have to do because that guy is – tricky he's elusive he's boy he's so talented and ryan glasgow was saying after the game that there's no they know there's no one like him that they prepare for and he, he tests them to a, a different level so 
they're aware of that, and, and I'm sure that's that's going to be their entire focus. And, I mean, obviously Weber and Samuel, but but JT's the guy they focus oh, yeah. on. You can't take a down off with that guy because uh, you look back at the, uh, the Wisconsin game. That's the one that, mm-hmm. in particular, I thought Wisconsin, that was their defensive game plan. We're taking JT out of the game. They did a great job uh, at, at nullifying him. But it's, you know, you stop him or you contain him for two quarters and then he just breaks your back with that third and 14 or third and 10 uh, with his feet. It's his feet that concern me, not so much his arm. No, not his arm, for sure. That's it with him. You have got to stay after him the entire game or he will get you. He will get you. And Michigan has experienced that from other (laughs) Ohio State quarterbacks over the years. So um, it's there. It's on film. And uh, but I mean, this defense is is well equipped to handle someone like him it's it's uh i mean i'm really looking forward to that I, I, you know you do matchups and you say jt barrett versus whatever it's jt barrett versus the entire michigan defense because that's what's going to take mm-hmm. you know and i agree and i would say even if wilton was playing i would say this i think the defense has to find a way to win this game for michigan angelique i know that's putting pressure on them but they're veteran they can take that but i don't see the offense uh putting up a lot of points in this game, even if Wilton was playing. I think it's going to be all on the D, a lot of pressure, but I think they have to come up big. Well, and that's what Glasgow said, too, yesterday. And it's, look, I mean, you know you've got a a guy starting for the first time and potentially in Columbus as well, and and it's he wants that pressure on the defense. And he said, you stop them, they don't score any points. That's how you can win a game. And they, they really feel like that's their job. And and I'm, I would feel certain that, you know, listening to what you're saying is absolutely accurate, Mike. I mean, that's going to be their approach. It's, it's, I don't think they're sitting there consciously thinking, okay, the offense isn't going to score points, but they're thinking they have got to stop Ohio State because that's the only way. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, I thought special teams really took another step forward uh, against Indiana. And I, I think that's another thing when you, when you have a young, uh, you know, I don't think he's young, but a, a, a guy starting for the first time in a couple of years, that's another way you can really you can really help and give your new quarterback a cushion is when you've got the kicking game working the way it was, coverage and punting. I mean, it was a great field position battle, I thought, from this from the Michigan kicking game. I, you know, they they uh, downed it twice. I think the one yard line, and I, I thought those were those were very important moments for for uh, for Michigan last week. And I, I think that's something that has to carry over to Columbus. Well, agreed on that. Well, a final thought then on the game, Angelique. We know anything can happen uh, in in the game with so much at stake this year, more so uh, than at any time since 2006, I should say. We've seen some amazing games over the years in this series. You you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and as I told you, I'm a little bit nervous about this, but I have a hunch uh, that it's going to be a ball game and Michigan is going to go in there and we are going to have a chance to win down there Saturday. Oh, I absolutely think Michigan has a chance. I really do. And, uh, you know, I don't see a game like last year. I don't see that kind of, I mean, I think that's it's fair to call that a blowout. I mean, that was a tough, that was a big win for Ohio State in, in uh, pardon me, in, in Ann Arbor. And DeMonte Thomas was saying after Indiana that, you know, he, he thinks this is going to be a shootout. And he sees it as like two kids in an alley, just uh, going a little bit of a street fight. In 2006, wasn't it about the two big defenses, how high scoring it was? And, and I think it could be, like I said, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. But, um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't think you can rule out Michigan winning that game. Absolutely not. I mean, not after seeing Ohio State at Michigan State. 
Well, I, I mean, I can't wait. I can never wait for that game. So, oh, yeah. Um, that's why we keep doing this, Mike, right? Absolutely. That's why you keep doing the podcast and why I keep working. So you talk about Michigan, Ohio State. Absolutely. And this week, of course, uh, for those of us who've uh, been around to see a lot of these games, it's a week where, you you know, you take time to reflect on some of the great games of the past. Maybe not games we've attended, but games we can remember from our youth uh, or that we've even read about. But for you, Angelique, since you've been covering the team, I mean, you grew up in Ohio, so Mm -hmm. you've seen this all of your life too. If you had to pick a moment or or moments in this series, what games uh, come to mind? Well, I mean, there have been so many. I mean, but I I even think more recently, the, uh, what year was it? Devin Gardner playing on the broken foot the last Mm -hmm. quarter and a half. And and seeing that BTN journey of that video, that clip of, of before the game when they're pounding on the door to get out of the locker room and Ohio State players are coming up from the field. And, and you just saw in that moment how ferocious that rivalry is and how heated it is. And to me, that I get, I get chills every time I see that clip. And I, I kind of watch it every year. Like, <laughs> I have to say, it kind of gets me excited about the week. And but but going back to games, I mean, you know, 96 was pretty amazing in Columbus with Greasy coming in and doing what he did and and Sean Springs slipping and the, and the, the pass to tie streets. That was pretty phenomenal. But 97 was was pretty. I mean, I saw Desmond's Heisman moment, but seeing Charles Woodson win the Heisman trophy against Ohio State in 97 was was pretty remarkable. A great player playing just absolutely huge and it, on the biggest stage. And uh, I think most Michigan fans are probably hoping that Jabril Peppers can have that kind of moment next Saturday. I sure do. So, I mean, uh, that's what happens in this series. We have seen moments that we can talk about the rest of our lives. And this Saturday, these young men are going to have that opportunity to make a memory, do something that hasn't been done before. And in the game, that's when it happens. For the seventh year in a row, our guest, as we preview the game, has been Michigan beat writer, Angelique Schengel is from the Detroit News. Angelique, I know it's going to be a great, great game to cover on Saturday. And as always, we thank you for taking some time on a Sunday to uh, to talk to us and be a part of this week. And we look forward to our next visit. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for our game day edition here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, thanks again to the angel of the big house, Michigan beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News for being our guest today. Again, I apologize for the sound issues we were having, but the phone company was having a bad day, so we had to move on and take the show because Angelique has a very busy schedule this week. On Thursday, we'll have our final thoughts on the game and be joined by Ohio State beat writer Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. So make sure you join us for that. As far as injury news goes, other than Wilton, we are in great shape for Saturday. I will have a final update on Thursday's show as far as the injuries are concerned. Our free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores now. If you are an iHeartRadio person, just do a search for The Michigan Man and save us to your playlist. That will do it for our game day show. It's going to be a week of hype and media buildup for the game, so let's enjoy it. It's been a long time since this game has meant this much, and I have a feeling we're in for a treat on Saturday. 
Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. I'll see you back here on Thursday with Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch on our Visitor's Edition. Until then, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!